Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We're happy that you're with us, and we have a really cool guest with us. We're going to talk for a full hour with Philip Andrew. He's a TV producer and media coach, and I love this. I asked him for a few questions to be sure and ask him before the show, you know, because we've never talked before too much, you know, in the email back and forth a little bit here and there. But, you know, this is all going to be new to me as well because, you know, we don't really, you know, go all heavy in producing these shows and stuff. It's just kind of a chat. Um, But I love that he said he's a slash person and that means he's got lots of titles and I feel the same way so often it's like mom slash author slash host slash owner so many things so um, I think that'll be really fun to talk to him today Um, TV producer media coach all these cool things and um, I know he speaks a lot to high school and college students um, with some storytelling and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to learn about him. And as we um, introduce him and talk to him, I just want to remind you that, you know, all of you guys, a lot of you follow us on uh, online. Uh, some of you don't call, actually call into the show, but you're listening to us online. So um, you can open up another tab and, lo- and look at his website while we're talking today. It's philipandrew.co. Um, Philip is two L's, so P-H-I-L-L-I-P, andrew.co. And if you add a slash <laughs> blog onto that, you can get to his blog, and that's pretty cool. But on Twitter, he's philipandrewla, again, two L's. And I have links to, the, to all the stuff on the, on the radio show as well. But um, Philip, how are you in sunny Los Angeles? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. It, it's funny, I, uh, I, I was cringing as you're reading my, my website because it's under, I, I'm in the middle of getting, doing some revamping to it. And so it's always those things of like, when is it going to be done? When are you guys going to get done? How are you going to get done? Is it done? Is it done? Is it done? Can I check it yet? Can I... <laughs> and so it's always uh, it's always that chaos of trying to get things updated. Oh. But um, but yes, everything is amazing out here in California. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, you're. So... Oh gosh, thank you for being on. It's an honor to have you here, and we've got kind of a matching sunny day here in Maine. So I'm happy to report that. Usually when I have a guest on, I'm like, it's snowing <laughs> or it's icing. It's <laughs> funny. So we have a matching sunny day. Um, but I actually, I love your website um, as is, but I know that feeling because we're constantly in that mode with best ever you too. It, you know, one human being trying to update things fast enough gets kind of tricky uh, with, you know, add in a few things and you're behind all of a sudden. So I get it, but I, I think your website looks wonderful and um as i as i click on it i really love um the quote you have on the front of it which is you don't have to worry about your reputation when you take ownership of your character why'd you pick that quote which i agree you know what that was i was um you know i was actually speaking i think i was speaking to a group of high school students or maybe college students and that was something that um you know we were talking so much about uh you know being concerned with getting kind of caught up in, in the expectations of what other people have for you or being, being really driven by, 
the external appearances from other people. And as we were talking about that and the pressures of just growing up, and, and I was expressing how, you know, we always joke that that's a high school thing, and it's not. It's a human thing. We continue that on in our in our lives. And as we were discussing it, we kind of started talking about the differences between reputation and character. And that was kind of the quote. Um, that was kind of the discussion, what we ended up landing on. And, and I I really, I really liked it, and I, I stuck with it for, you know, a few months and, and really, you know, kind of let it, let it sink in. And before I knew it, I was like, you know what, that's it. I, I really love that. You know, we don't – we never have to worry about our reputation when we take ownership of our character. And I think that that really kind of became a good thing because I, it allowed me to stop trying to control how you perceived me. And when I, I when I stopped trying to do that, which was all reputation based, I just started to really dive into you know what? Who am I? How do I show up as the person that I that I want to be? How do I be show up the most powerful way possible? And if I do that, if I do that, then I don't have to worry about anything else. If I know that I'm I'm standing inside of my own integrity, and I'm inside of my character and it's strong, I don't have to worry about the reputation. And so I love that. that. Has been, uh, that really just kind of stuck, yeah. Yeah, we could probably hang up now. That's a great lesson, <laughs> but we're not going to. You're stuck with me for an hour. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that's all I got the, for you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You learned. Yeah, that's a great. That's a. That's just a great quote, and I hope everybody listening plays that back a few times and goes to the website and lets that sink in for real, um, because that's it's powerful right there, and it's so true. Um, how okay so. How, how did you develop that? Because, you know, with character goes values, it goes goals, it goes a belief system, it goes implementation, action, behavior, you know, so many things behind taking ownership of your character for real. Yeah, I think a lot of it was um, really, really having those moments of just being very deliberate about trying to get clear of what I wanted out of my life, you know, and really kind of almost, you know, there, there's the, you know, the clarity of, of purpose and action and, and kind of asking myself, like, you know, why am I here? You know, what's going on around me? What, what am I, you know, what do I want to do? How am I here to affect others? And I started asking these questions. And then I started to get real about what is it that I really want? Like, what do I really want my, my life to look like? What do I really want it to be all about? Um, and, you know, I will say for me, a, a big part of my journey is, um, you know, I come from a uh, I've been sober for for over 10 years now. Um, I had some struggles with alcohol and, and substance abuse when I was younger in my in my you know teenage years and in my early 20s. And I kind of got into a lot of like recovery programming and and it just really helped me start Good. to identify a lot of the a lot of the insecurities that I had. Um, you know, identify a lot of the feelings, and I started to really attack those things in a really in a really deliberate way which then allowed me to start getting a little bit more, um, you know, just intentional, being very intentional about who I want to be, how I want to show up to the world. And, um, and then writing it down, writing things down has been such a powerful thing for me. Uh, not keeping, you know, in my head, things mm-hmm. get twisted and, and crazy and they go wild. And so for me, when I put pen to paper and I really write things down and I get very, very intentional, uh, that has always really helped me, uh, you know, propel myself forward and, and really, figuring out like like I said who in the heck do I want to be it's good though that you stopped yourself from doing all that stuff cuz it's it's tricky isn't it it's it's a it's a choice 
Um, I know I remember making that choice of I'm 48 and the mom of four boys who are 16, 18, 20, and 22. And um, I can remember making that choice a really, really long time ago because I thought, you know, I've got that kind of personality that if I'm going to do something like that, I'm going to go all in. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so totally. I remember in my, oh, totally. So I remember in high school going, you know, I better not do this ever. This better not ever be a part of my life because if it is, it's going to be, it'll be my life because I've just kind of got that personality. And I think as I've gotten older, I'm really thankful that I've chosen to be, you know, alcohol free, drug free, you know, I don't even take prescription drugs kind of thing. And so I've had a life of that and it's very clear. So I get what you're saying when you make those choices. That's excellent. Yeah. That, and, and congratulations on that. I think that's, Thank um, you. you know, I think it we're was seeing, tough because um, it's opposite. <laughs> Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, and especially now, I mean, we look at, we look at things where they're at with, uh, you know, we have such, we're having such big issues with, you know, the, you know, the drug addictions and things that, and alcohol oh, yeah. addictions that we're seeing in our, in our country. And it's really, it's really terrible to see um, just the way that those things are kind of creeping in. And, uh, you know, and yeah. I, at least, you know, I guess I can share a little, a little story of, of my own, you know, for myself, I feel like a lot of it stemmed from, you know, just being a normal insecure kid, which I think we all are. I don't think that I had any insecurities that were beyond what the normal, you know, kid has, you know, the wanting to fit in, mm-hmm. wanting to be, you know, cool enough. And, you know, for me, I, I kind of grew up, I grew up and I hung out with a lot of older kids. So for me, it was always wanting to prove myself that I was cool enough, smart enough, funny enough to hang out with the ki- with the big kids, with the big kids on the block. And so <laughs> I had a little bit of that going on. And then I also had, you know, I had a father that was a, he's a retired police chief now and a mother that was involved in the school board and so they kind of, you know, people knew the last name. So I really started to think that all of my, everything I did was really important, you know, as a little kid thinking, <laughs> yeah, oh man, yeah. like people know who I am and they're paying attention <laughs> and I want to look, I want to look good for my parents. And so I started, even at a young age, started developing some of these insecurities or these almost, you know, the perfectionism, the wanting to get straight A's, all of those things, the over, you know, wanting to be the best on the sports teams and <laughs> That all kind of just continued as I got older. And then I started, you know, the first time I, I drank, you know, as I mentioned, hanging out with older kids, they started experimenting 14, 15, 16. Well, I'm 10, 11, 12. So I started drinking, yeah. you know, a little bit, definitely a lot younger than I should have. And then when I was in high school, um, a lot of this continued on. Unfortunately, my, my, um, my mother actually uh, was diagnosed with cancer and she passed away uh, when I was 15. Aww. And so, so you already had a little bit of this, some of these insecure things that I think are probably pretty normal to adolescents. And then you add on, you know, a parent, you know, passing away and and having an illness. And, and I was just kind of like a perfect storm for a kid that wanted, that needed to, to act out and needed to, you know, was confused, didn't know what was going on, but everything I had ever learned was you don't talk about it. Just, you'd be, you know, like, just deal with it. Hey, it sucks you know, people die. It's, it's part of life. Like, you know, and that was my way of coping, which to anyone that has any understanding of grief, like that is not a way of coping at all. Right. <laughs> and it is very, very bad. And so, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately it took me a few more years and a couple of, a uh, couple of run-ins with uh, law enforcement. And, but eventually I got to a place where I started to, you know, approach my drinking head on. And the truth was, it was, yes, of course, there was a problem with alcohol, but the problem was really with the lack of coping skills. The problem was right. the lack of understanding how to, 
you know, where do I positively turn to when I'm feeling lost and lonely and sad and depressed and like that nobody loves me? And, and like, where do I turn to? And I'm so grateful that for me, it happened at such a young age that I started to get into programs where it allowed me to start to develop those skills. Uh, so I had coping mechanisms so that I knew how to share. I knew how to communicate rather than picking up a bottle or taking a pill or, you know, smoking something. Um, and I think that's really what we're, we're seeing in our country is just people with a lack of or what they think is a lack of resource to be able to cope with the issues that are, you know, affecting them in their everyday lives. Well put. I absolutely well put. And, you know, what I appreciate you sharing is, you know, the vulnerability of, of you. And I think I appreciate that so much because somebody out there listening just heard all that and doesn't feel so alone. And they have, even if you're a way to reach out, to, you know, if they can reach out to you or to somebody or they heard it and they're not shamed and embarrassed and all that stuff, because, you, you know, that's pretty powerful when you can go on a national radio show and talk about that and do all the things that you're doing, oh. speaking and writing and all that stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I, and I I greatly appreciate you you saying that, and thank you. And I think that that's what's become, you know, that's so important to me and to, to a lot of people that are in recovery is just being able to, you know, I look at it as like, you know, when I worked in my, if I walked into my first AA meeting and if there was nobody there, what would I have done? You know, like I remember when I first got into AA and I remember going to it and thinking like somebody took like a, you know, they took a, a, a birthday cake for 25 years. And I remember thinking like, man, if I'm still here in 25 years, this thing doesn't work, you know? And, uh, but the truth of the matter is you start to see that that is how it works is being able to be there and show up for the next person that's still struggling. And, you know, we're all, we're all, you know, the, the, it's this crazy trick that we all think we're playing on the world that we have it all together and we don't want anyone to know. Like the truth is well, a lot of us are, <laughs> yeah. you know, confused. You my we French don't know fry mobile. Yeah, you know, we're, we're all trying to just figure things out. And so for me, I mean, community has, yeah. has been so key in being able to, you know, communicate. And especially, you know, I, I try not to draw distinctions between, you know, uh, anybody, I, I, I like to treat everybody as individuals, but in a to overgeneralize, right? When we when we do talk about, you know, the difference, you know, men and women and and whatnot, you know, at least I think there's a great uh, advantage that a lot of women grow up with when you're, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. You're encouraged to rely on your girlfriend. You're encouraged. You you understand that you can be emotional with your with your friends right. and you can get through things together. Men don't learn that. We don't develop in general, and I'm grossly generalizing, so please don't send me hate mail anymore. It's all good. But it is is one of those things that a lot of men, we don't learn how to do that. We don't learn to rely on our friends emotionally. So what happens is we end up carrying all of our burdens through life, and we don't know how to communicate those things. And life is not meant to be done that way, at least I personally believe. I don't think that we are meant to be alone on our own trying to figure it all out. We're meant to do this thing as a community, as friends, as family, um, as even a, gr- a group of strangers that, you know, I think that, you know what, I'll say this, and then I'll let you talk, and I know I talk way too much. One of the things that really <laughs> the stood out to me was, uh, yeah, one of the things that was so powerful when I, when I got to AA was I feel like for so long I had been pretending. For so long I had been playing the role of who Philip Andrew was supposed to be to everyone else. You know, I, I was playing this role 
And I thought there was something I needed to do to earn you liking me, to earn your respect, to earn to, – I needed to earn my, my ability to just be part of the conversation. And when I showed up to AA in a group of strangers who I had never met before loved me, uh, just for the flaws, for me just speaking my mind, for the times I sat in a meeting and cried, for the times where I said things and was – you know, was just a young kid being angry at the world. Like, for them to just sit there and regardless of what was going on, just love me. I mean, it was a really powerful thing. And for me to even look back at, you know, being 32 and now looking back and knowing that I was experiencing that at 22, I mean, that's a really amazing gift that I was given and that is available for a lot of people. So I would just, you know, encourage you, you know, to someone out there that's listening and you're having any issues, or if you have a friend that, or a friend or family or son or daughter who's struggling with alcohol, a lot of it is just coming from a place like there are other people out there that understand and want to love you. You're not alone if, if you just sometimes all it takes is just being a little willing, not even being all the way willing, just be a little willing <laughs> yeah. to let somebody into willing. your world. And it can make a monumental change for you. Great advice. Um, what in the world made you go from the Midwest to Los Angeles? Oh, man. There's got to be I'm a story kid. there. I'm that very stereotypical. <laughs> Tie it all yeah, I mean, You know what? I'm, I'm the kid. Yeah, I grew up. I loved entertainment. I, I grew up, you know, I'm. I'm born and raised in, uh, you know, just outside of Southwest Detroit, about 10 minutes from downtown Detroit in Michigan. And, you know, I grew up just that kid that loved everything California. I mean, geez, I watched Clueless a million and a half times with my sister. You know, it was like anything that was anything that was the beach and the sand. And, you know, for us kids growing up in the Midwest and, you know, I think kids all over the place feel like, oh, man, my town is so boring. But there's just always is that thing of California, like California. Like it just, there was something about it that just always seemed cool. And I, so, I mean, I feel like that was always part of the plan for me was I always wanted to move, uh, wanted to move out to California. And, you know, I, I always enjoyed, um, you know, entertaining people. My mother had me involved in, in theater when I was young. And, you know, I started DJing when I was 17 and, you know, always liked performing and being in front of people and doing skits. And I think for me, I always loved creating and just entertaining people. So for me, it was a natural progression to kind of move to California after I graduated college and, you know, get out. I had never been west of Wisconsin. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know too many people in, in California. And, you know, I try to mentor kids that, you know, go for, I went to Michigan State and kids that want to, you know, we have a, a pretty good film program. And, you know, kids that wanted to, you know, move out to L.A. and pursue moving, you know, going into TV or movies or anything, I always tell them, hey, if you want it bad enough, you'll make it work. If you really, really want it bad enough, you will find a way. I mean, I moved to Los Angeles, I think, with, you know, maybe $2,500 and a, 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 gift, a gift card, like a $500 gas gift card that I made DJing for some corporate event before I left. You know, I, I put myself in, in the red when I put down the security deposit and first and last month's rent. And I sat there looking at that negative balance in my bank account going, man, I'm glad my dad let me have a credit card and wondering how I was going to make it all work, you know. Yeah. 
And I, I just, it, it just always seemed like something that I knew I wanted to be out here. And, and it's amazing even now. I mean, I've been out here for uh, just over nine years now. And it's, I remember meeting people the, the first few months and someone would say they had been here two years. And I remember thinking like, oh, you made it. Whoa. You know, and, and now to be out here almost a decade, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And I feel very, very lucky and fortunate that I've had so many amazing people uh, be willing to pour into me and teach me and, and, and support me. Um, and so I, I've just, I've been very lucky and very blessed with, uh, with my path to getting from, you know, Detroit out to Los Angeles. So when you moved out there, what were you thinking? Like, what were you trying to do? Act, uh, produce? I mean, what, what were you, what was your dream? Yeah. So so the dream dream was to work in entertainment. Yeah. The dream is to work in entertainment. And I didn't even really know what that meant. You know, I I went to Michigan state uh, university for TV and film production, as well as business administration. And so when I moved out to California, I just knew, Hey, the entry level job is a production assistant. And I want to be a production assistant. And I didn't, you know, I didn't discriminate whether it was, you know, television or reality TV or movies or whatever it was. And when I moved to California, I moved in the middle of 2009, or I'm sorry, in, was it March of 2009? I got to California and it was, right, it was in the middle of the writer's strike. So there was a huge lack of work in the scripted world. But now in the scripted world, when that faded for a minute and there weren't the scripts being written and people were, that was like the explosion of reality television because it was, you know, a little bit less expensive to make. You could kind of make it happen a little bit quicker. Um, And so when I, I remember I would get up every day and I got out to California and I remember I got a job working at a vitamin store. I got a job working at Pacific Sunwear, PacSun, folding little kids' board shorts and selling old women Metamucil. That was my, that was my, my day job. <laughs> and then I would do extra work, and I would go and I would do, um, like, clerical office stuff. I would DJ. I was doing anything I could just to try to make, make it happen. And I, I would, would highly recommend all of those the, jobs. I was going to say, I'd highly recommend the Walmart door greeter, which was me. Oh, Nice. <laughs> That's not, cool. a bad, yeah. that's not a bad movie either. <laughs> not a bad game. You, know, you never know who you're going to meet. Never know who you're going to meet. And, yeah, so for me, I would, I would just do that whole thing. I would, like, go to all those different jobs, and then I would yeah. go to um, – I'd go to the gym. I'd go play basketball, and I eventually met a guy playing basketball who okay. we started talking. He was a Midwest guy as well, and he was getting ready to get uh, – he needed to find a replacement for himself. And that was my first job as a production assistant on a show called Undercover Boss back in 2009. (laughs) And that was the start of everything. I started on episode two and I stayed there. I did a couple of seasons and just, you know, was, had the luxury of being able to kind of grow, uh, grow with that company. And, and I still do, I still do shows with some of the same people that were, you know, from those days in 2009. I mean, I'm going to see them, uh, you know, not to do the humble brag, but I'm going to go for it. I'm really, really excited. We actually, um, a show that I produced last year, uh, I produced on, it actually is up for Daytime Emmy. So we are all, you know, I was getting my tuxedo fitted uh, last last Saturday, and I pick up my tuxedo tomorrow, and we go on Friday, and we find out if we, if you know, we are Emmy Award-winning producer. So 
uh, it's all been, and, and that's with some of those same people that I worked with back in 2009 when I was getting people coffee. So it's been, it's neat? been a really amazing journey out here. Do you, what show is that again that's nominated for the Emmy? Just to, are you faded out for a yes, second? Yes, it's called, uh, of course, yeah, the, the, the show that is nominated is called Mind Field. It is a science uh-huh. and psychology show, more, more so on the psychology thing, and it's for YouTube Red. Um, with a uh, it, the channel is with Vsauce, the, a very very amazing guy named Michael Stevens is the host, and we do a lot of really cool um, you know studies and we we do research and a lot of big demonstrations on different theories in psychology, and it it was such it was an amazing show to be a part of, and I'm just happy that you know to be recognized always feels amazing, um, and so mm-hmm. we're really we're really excited you know we're, we're up against we're up against a couple of different shows, but one is actually from the Henry Ford Museum um, back in, in Metro Detroit, about, you know, five minutes from where I grew up. So there's a part of me that I really, really want to win the Emmy. And I go, but if I have to lose, can it be to the, the people from back home in Michigan? But, uh, but it is just, it's such an honor to be, it's such an honor yeah. to be a part of that team. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. I'm, we find out on Friday. Please. Fingers crossed, everybody. Oh. We'll be we're watching Twitter then, right? Is that how we do that? <laughs> but I, I think mm-hmm. I need I need a little text or something. <laughs> I want um, definitely. Um, oh, I so, will be I will be posting all about it if it happens. I will be. I oh will be, yeah. Uh, I will be annoying everybody. Yeah, it's all right. You know, we we love you, so you can. It's a it's that network <laughs> of trust. So you're you're in good keeping with everybody, you know, or they wouldn't follow you and so forth. So. Um, so do you okay? So take it. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking. Like ten years from now, what are, what are you what are you thinking? What are your goals? What are your dreams? Go play us out ten years, twenty years, three years. I don't care. Just go forward and tell me what you're thinking, because um, I love goal setting. We talk a lot about goals on Best Ever You, and I'm a huge believer in writing them down and talking about them because you never know when somebody might hear what you've got going on in your brain and help you. No, definitely. I love that. And it, it's, I'm in the middle of, it's so funny. I'm in the middle of uh, having my, my part, my, my place here in California all re, repainted and, and the floors redone. So I have so much stuff boxed up. I normally have, I normally have a big, you know, two foot by two foot piece of paper on my wall that has my, you know, the big goals, the massive, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the wanting to be able to, you know, wanting to donate $50,000 every single year to the charities of my choice. Um, being able to have the, you know, you hear so many people talk about the billion dollar impact of being able to, um, you know, help in, in, in have, you know, a billion dollars worth of change uh, in various different ways. And, you know, I think I am, my biggest passion is obviously just for people, uh, is really what I, I care about and wanting to be able to help others in a big way. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, I'm going off of, you know, the memory of, because like I said, I, I'm always writing things down and I have tons of lists, but, you know, I, I love being able to speak in for high schools and for MBA students and college students. Uh, that's a, an area of my life that I feel very uh, drawn towards. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't even know if it's maybe because of just where I was at at that age and some of the things I was struggling with and you know, wanting to be able to connect with kids at that, you know, that stage of life. And um, I think it's really, there's a lot of things that kids are dealing with these days that 
25 years ago, 35 years ago, you just weren't dealing with. You know, people were right. not dealing with. And, you know, with and, – and I'm not – I don't want to be one of those guys that always bashes social media. I think a lot of amazing things can come out of it and, and do. Um, but there's – Yeah, but you got to use it right. For kids – Totally, and for for when when we have people that don't have the right coping mechanisms for being able to handle the the insecurities or seeing the fact that I don't look like these people or I don't sound like these people or you know why why aren't people looking at like why aren't people liking the stuff that I'm posting why are they liking hers it's the we do that I mean we have to think we do that uh, in, obsessively as adults as adults we do that. And now we're putting those things and giving those opportunities to kids. And it's it's just really, it's so much for a lot of the kids to kind of to struggle with. Um, I have a theory on that. And so I hear I, it? I'd love it to hear like it, this. yes. It goes like this. I'm posting this for myself. If anybody else likes it, great. But I like it. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean that kind of in, in a in a joking sense, but you know, a lot of things. I have, if you post something about yourself, I have a rule that you, I always at least try to do at least ten things about somebody else. To you mm-hmm. know, it's not it's not the all about you club, it's the all about us world, and so it's it's just really important to to understand that even if you if you put something out there, even if it changes one life. You've done a pretty darn good job. It doesn't matter if it has 20 million likes or whatever, and a lot of that stuff's paid for anyway. Yeah, and I think that's great. I think the, you know, one of the things is just trying to, how do we, you know, how do you give, you know, I always say, even when I go and speak with kids, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember how I was when I was in high school. Like, I didn't want to listen to every little thing. So I don't <laughs> go into a high school think, you know, I go in and I know this. I know that every single, like not every conversation, not every speech is going to change someone or change the world, but it has the potential to. You know, I think it was John F. Kennedy said the only reason to, the only reason to give a speech is to change the world. And I think that that is, it's really powerful when you, when we look at conversations that way, if we look at the fact of, you know, a conversation can really change for someone. I try to always show up for someone in the best way that way. But also understanding that I may just be one of nine times that a kid needed to hear something. You know, I might have just, you know, maybe somebody needs to hear that done is better than perfect uh, nine times before it really sets in. You know, for a little kid that's a perfectionist, you know, maybe he needs to hear it nine times. And if I'm just number three, I'm, I'm totally, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part for other people. And I think that, you know, when we... You know, I talk a lot about the difference between being people pleasing and being um, authentic, service oriented, serving people, yeah. and the difference between you know when I go in and I I go in for an interview and I really want to say the right thing because I hope that you like me and I I hope that you give me the job <laughs> and when I go in there and I'm nervous that you're not maybe you aren't gonna like me and like what shoes do I need to wear like how, I'm I'm not living. My, you know, to, I'm not living the best me. I'm, I'm living a smaller version of that when I'm, when I'm concerned about people liking me. But when I walk into a room and I go, how do I serve these people? How do I, how do I serve these people in this room the best way possible? Hey, let me tell you guys how I can help. Like, here's what I can do to, to, to serve you guys, to help the project, to make you guys feel better. To, here's what I can offer. And, and if I'm not the right one, then I hope you guys find someone who's going to be a better one, and I'll go try to find someone else to serve. When I step into rooms service-oriented 
and stop being, you know, being a little kid trying to like make you like me, my results are always so much better when I'm serving. And so I think you touched on a great thing of just that idea that it should be about serving other people first. Um, Of course, we're always going to have those moments where we're going to post, post the stuff that's about us. We're humans, you know, and it's, and that's normal, but it is about understanding that you need to be doing things for other people. And, and that, that ends up coming tenfold back for us in terms of happiness and joy. And um, at least that's been my experience. Well, I think that, I think you're, you're spot on right there. And I, I think that, um, you know, the authenticity is the, probably the most important thing as well. Um, you know, cause you're showing up as your authentic self and, and I think people, I think once you learn that, you know, you're not the right fit for every single person on the planet, there's a lot of people out there. Um, yeah. That, you know, that's, it's okay. You know, um, to, you know, just be, I, that's what I say. Just, you know, be your authentic, you show up because I think as I'm getting older, one of the things that I've learned and what I think is the coolest about people is there are so many neat people out there with all different types of skills and talents and it complements each other. It's so much fun to collaborate, for example, you know, like I just have so much fun doing things with other people and it's, it's so much fun to me to bring somebody, you know, for example, who has a completely opposite skill of something I have. Um, for example, like I can't draw. I mean, I, I seldom use the word can't, but I mean, I like if you saw something I drew, you'd be like, yeah, you're right, you can't draw. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of thing. it's not a skill set. Uh, even if you try and, try and twist it around and they're like, that's beautiful, it's not, I just can't draw. And so, like, one of the most fun times I've ever had is, like, working on a children's book with someone. And I said, here's kind of what I'm visualizing, but I can't get it out of me like the way you can. And um, so I did the words, she did the pictures, and we put together this beautiful children's book. And, you know, when you find somebody that compliments and you've got the strengths together, it's so powerful. I'm sure you know that from working on huge projects. You know, you're a part oh, of yeah. a huge I mean, project. Totally. I mean, it, team, you know, teamwork makes teamwork. the dream work, right? Like the old slogan. And it's, it's so – it's important to be able to, to like you said, know that you, can't, you cannot be all things to all people all the time. And when yeah. you accept that and you just start to say, all right, what is my role? What is my role in this, in this greater thing? You know, that's the biggest thing with teams. You know, any type of team building, people that are, are you know, coaches or life coaches or, you know, managers in business, like the, whole, the power of the team is getting everyone to buy into the bigger picture idea and the bigger picture win. You know, what is the big thing that all of us can commit to? And then we find our roles inside of that. We all can't. You know, I, I, I think that was the shocking thing when I moved to California and started working in entertainment was, you know, when we were in high school, it was three of us and we would do everything. You know, you'd come up with the idea and then you would go out and act in it and then you would shoot it and then you would edit it and then you would, you know, do all – you were doing everything. And then when I got out here, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to this when you get into either corporate America or different jobs where it's so team-based and things can become so um, – you know, separate with this is exactly what your role is. And I think it's important to understand that we have to be able to rely on other people and we have to be able to, to play well with others. Um, and and the sandbox. Put small, put, <laughs> yeah, and put our small, put the small differences aside because we're all coming together for a greater, a, a greater vision, a greater purpose. Um, yeah. You know, the one thing I, I, as you talk, 
and, and we hear a lot of people, I feel like authenticity is obviously such an amazing thing, but I feel like it's also become a bit of a buzzword. Um, how do you sure. handle when, you know, you, you interview a lot of people, you talk with a lot of individuals, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people reach out to you and I'm sure this word comes up quite often. It does in, oh, yeah. you know, in the, in the motivational space and the self-help space. And how do you handle um, when you experience people standing on the, the shoulders of the word authenticity without truly being authentic or authentic? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because you can, some of that's mileage, you know, you can see, sort of see it. A lot of it might be you, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. You can, you can sort of spot it with, you know, with a little bit of experience and mileage on you, I think. Um, but generally I just apply love. Really? I mean, you I think know, that, people, th- there's the, yeah. there's the amazing, that's the amazing lesson. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think, I think people are lonelier than you think, need people more than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much stuff, but yeah, generally to people, I, I apply love and that's just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hard to, to cross. You know what I mean? I'm, I've got a pretty good you know what I mean? I, I, I pretty much love people. So I don't know. That's, that's my thing. I don't know how that works for other think, people, but that's, that's kind of what I do. I think that's so great. I, I, I really do. I think, I mean, I hope that that resonates with a lot of people listening is just the fact that that's really, you know, we don't, we are not as nearly effective pointing out the problems of other people or trying no. to, trying to change people or trying to tell them how they should be living. Like, very rarely does that ever, you know, Work. do anything other than build build a bigger gap between you and that person. And yeah. it's like when you when you I, I remember there was a I I cannot remember the name of the documentary, but it's been going around for a while where there is a there's an African American gentleman who was befriending uh, members of the KKK and was. Mm, I don't know. Showing them love and compassion, and and was oh, and yeah, was becoming that. friends with guys, yeah, and was actually having them put down their you know get, you know get, get away from the organization, and they would you know they and he I guess he wants to open up a museum of all these robes that he has helped, um, you know, change these guys' lives, and I think it's such a powerful thing of like that's how we that's how we really show up for other people and serve them. It's not by by bashing them and telling them how wrong they are and telling them what's awful about them and how they should be ashamed of themselves. And it's about showing love and compassion in, in kind of, you know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the differences of, uh, you know, how, how do you kind of affect other people? I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought there for a second. I was trying to figure out what I was trying to say. Um, I did but, you know, you, so don't worry about it. Yeah, no, totally. But no, we, you know, we have these things where, um, we it just we make a decision on how we want to show up for other people and when we when we're just kind and we're loving especially yeah. in an environment where where people aren't used to that that's really how we get people to to take a second and think about what they're doing you know we it's very rare that you will change somebody by telling them how awful they are you know it's and i wish i don't i don't know no. we could yeah. probably go on no, there for a I long time i think it's really it's not I, <laughs> No, no, it's a it's a good conversation because I think people wonder about that. You know, you you wonder when you walk into rooms, everybody like me, you know, all that stuff, and you know, I'm not so certain 
that matters. Um, but no, I mean, I completely get w- what you're saying and I hope people listening are, are understanding the conversation, you know, because it's about, you know, it's about how you're showing up at, at, in your life. And you, it sounds like you've got a great grasp on showing up for yourself and, and have found a, a really good um, value system for yourself um, and, and all that goes with it. I mean, you can see it right on your website and you can see it in your pictures. You can see it in your smile, your eye, you know, everything about you um, is, you know, is on the right path. So it's, I mean, it's really cool to see that. And what I, I think what I love, you're welcome. But what I love about it is, you know, you're turning around and giving it back and that's where you really change, change people. And I think you, you will be surprised at the people that you actually change. Cause I think you, I think you can change people, but I think they they've got to want it. And um, oh, totally. You know, yeah. So there's a whole there's a whole other well, show right thank there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> th- yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I, that that means a lot. That I really appreciate that. And I I yeah. think I I think there was a a big moment where it was just a lot of taking responsibility for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I grew up kind of a, you know, being a cop's kid, you know, and then a little bit moments of being entitled and thinking I was above the law and right and all those things. And when I really started to take responsibility for myself in the way that, you know, the way that I behaved and started stopped enough that I'm immune to it, I still do it. But like I tried to stop, you know, bl- looking at the circumstance and blaming other people and, and you know, if you, only you would do this or if only somebody else would act this way, then my life would be easier. And instead of doing that, you know, one time I had somebody, somebody said this thing, and I don't know if it was in a, in a speech or what it was, but I thought it was so powerful. And it was this idea, and it said, what would the world look like if everyone was at your current level of commitment? So it was like, this, like if everyone at your company was behaving, was working it just as hard as you, how would that look? If everyone in, if everyone in your city was as de- dedicated to the city as you are, what would that look like? If everybody in your family, if everybody in, um, you know, your everybody in your team. state, everybody in your, everyone in your sport, exactly, everyone on your sports team was putting in, you know, was giving this, your current level of effort and your current level of commitment, what would that look like? And it's like when you magnify yourself in that way, it gives you an opportunity to say, oh, wait, maybe I'm, and maybe you go, man, I w- that'd be great. Like I am, I'm, I'm going all the way. And then that can give you an opportunity to say, all right, I know I'm going all, all in on this stuff. How do I help other people to go all in? Or you yeah. really take a moment and you go, oh, wow, I'm maybe not as, as amazing as I think I am. Maybe I'm not showing up as amazing as I, you know, like to think that I am in my head. And it gives you a little bit of understanding that like, wow, if every single person was giving my level of effort, what would this look like? And that's always been a really powerful thing for me, especially on set. You know, on set when I'm running, you know, I've got, you know, mm-hmm. 25, 40 people on set, and I'm trying to move things around, and, you know, this happens and that happens, and I want to get angry at this, and, I'm, and then I'm stopping. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> dude, if everyone was behaving how you are right now, what would it look like on set? It, was that making things better right now, or would it make it worse? And it really helps me to check myself, take responsibility for myself, and then with, you know, with responsibility, like, you know, it's the ability to respond, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I respond in a powerful way then uh, to, to help the team, to help myself, to help the project. Um, and so taking, you know, taking ownership of myself, it was really 
was really a, a, a very helpful thing for me. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to um, the kind of the other side of best ever you, um, a guy by the name of Gary Kobat, if you don't mind. When, we, when we're when we off okay. air, I'm going to make an introduction for you to Gary Kobat. He's uh, out there in Los Angeles in your area. Oh, great. And um, he's a he's a trainer to a lot of the stars like Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey and, and people like that. And um, he's he does well, we do a lot of shows together and writing together and all sorts of stuff. Oh, awesome. he's, he's part of Best Ever You, huge part of Best Ever You for years now. And um, I think he would love to meet him because he talks about a lot about self love, self worth, responsibility for everything you think, say, do, feel, you know, behave, you know, all that stuff. And um, I think he'd be great for you to meet. Oh yeah, and it, it, you know it's crazy. Especially he, you know, I think for anyone outside of L.A. or New York, there's times where we build these pictures of like actors up in our heads of like what their, their lives must must be so amazing. <laughs> you know, people love them and blah blah. blah. You know, and, and even to a point where, even to a point where I think people move to you know so many people move to L.A. to become actors, but they really don't, it's not, they don't want to be an actor because they love acting. It's more like, I want to be an actor because I want people to feel about me the way that I feel about actors. You know, it's like, I want people, I love Brad Pitt so much that I want people to love me the way that I love Brad Pitt. And it becomes this, it's less about the process and more just about the end result or what you think that end result is. And I think that can be very, you know, for, for, it can be difficult for people in the public eye to have everyone setting this expectation of what your life is supposed to look like and feel like. And if you, if you have your, if you have your priorities in the wrong place, it can feel very, very lonely, you know, you know, people treat you differently. And, and so we, you know, we see a lot of, you know, obviously people in the industry or in, in, in any, any, um, any place, but I think it's difficult for people that are in the public eye just because, you know, here's the thing. I always joke with my buddies. I go, if all of a sudden my career took a downturn and I had to go and I had to, you know, just, you know, just get a, a, a different job. And I was just, you know, say I was working at, you know, had to go and get a job and working, you know, minimum wage job just to make ends meet. And, and like nobody would come into the counter and say, hey, man, what happened to you? No one would come in and I would just be another guy doing my job and that would be fine. Mm-hmm. But when you're an actor or when you're in the public eye, it's always about like, oh, I haven't seen this guy in a while. Oh, I wonder what happened to him. Or you see somebody do a movie and then they do a commercial and you're like, oh, he must be really tough for him. You know, look at this. He's, and it, and it can be yeah. very, very difficult for people to, to navigate those expectations of other people. Yeah. yeah. And what do you, what's, what's the remedy? Anything? Oh, I mean, I think the remedy is uh, it's. I think a lot of it comes to identity. Is where do we find our identity? What are we putting our identity in? Are we only? Are we only identi- You know, is our identity in our bank account? Is our identity in the way that we you know treat others? Is our identity in the house that we drive and the car that we own and the in the last show that we did? It's you know, there's so many different places that we can place the importance of our lives and in, in what we can say our life is about. I think it's about mm-hmm. finding what is the right purpose for your life. What is your why? What is your mission that you are ready to dedicate your life to? And if that is, if that is to money, if that is to uh, you know prestige, if that is to just being the best parent that you want to be, if that is to the, the book you want to write, it's 
it's it's every. I mean, that's the beauty of life, right? We all have the choices to live the lives that we want to live, if we're willing to do the work to go after them. Um, right. I think where a lot of people see a lot of issues is when they start living lives that they think other people want them to live, or they start yeah. living lives we're that judging. aren't you know that aren't really yeah aren't really connected to the their heart, and it's just connected to you know societal pressures or whatnot. And I think here's the here's the quickest thing I'll say. The the easiest answer. So everyone everyone listening, there is a ton of different uh, issues, uh, topics that you know, different struggles that people people could be get, going through a divorce. They could be getting ready to get married. And they don't know how to do their financially. It could it could be the car broke down. It could be your kid is dealing with substance abuse issues. There's I couldn't give one answer that would say, oh, this is the thing to do for everyone. But if I had to, what is the first step? I would say sharing it with somebody you care about or someone you can trust. Sharing what's going on in your life, speaking it out loud just with someone else. Um, being Allow someone else to be in your life and be in their life and start to find, you know, just start, like you don't have to do this alone. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever is the insecurity or the struggle or the difficulty, you are not alone. There are people that love you and care, care about you that you may not even know yet. Your best friend, you may have not even met your real, true best friend for the rest of your life yet. So be open to just talking with people, sharing what's going on, and just doing life together with other people. And I think that's the first step is just really starting to be comfortable with saying, hey, I don't have it all together and I'm dealing with some stuff, will you just listen for a minute and see what happens? And I, and I hope that it will be powerful. And if it's not a powerful experience, find someone else. And if that's not a powerful experience, give me a call. Find somebody else. Send me yeah, exactly. I'd call love you. to talk with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that's, that's so important what you're saying so, so people don't feel alone in their, in their stuff. For sure. Yeah, we're we're meant to do this thing together. We're definitely meant yeah. to do this thing together. So I can hear you sort of formulating a book. I can I can hear it and all mm-hmm. the things that you're saying yep. and so forth. What are you what are you working on? <laughs> what what yeah, are you working so, on? Yeah, so I'm I'm currently um I'm currently finishing up the my my rough draft on um actually like the sixth rough draft. You've written a book, you know how that goes. Um, it's always much more work than you thought it was going to be. Always much more work than you thought it was going to be. Um, and, but it's, it's called All the Reasons I Hate My 28-Year-Old Boss. And it is, a, um, it is a comedic kind of business self-help uh, book that is just meant to be a fun read. It's, it'll be very quick. It'll probably take you a weekend to get through. Um, in each example, every chapter is kind of a heading of – um, you know, a reason you hate your 28-year-old boss. And it's, I think it's, you know, we're, we're seeing now with, the, you know, the, the entrepreneurial spirit of the millennial uh, generation, uh, the startup world, the way that we're seeing the tech industry happen. A lot of people, and a lot of people are working later on in, in life. So we're seeing a lot more now where, you know, you might be 45 with a boss who's 30. You might be 50 with a boss who is, you know, 20 years younger than you. And it can be a, difficult pill to swallow sometimes just because almost everything that we've been raised to believe is all about like ageism is so powerful in our society 
you know, there's so much that, you know, when you're, what is it? You know, when you're, you're 13, you can't see the rated R movie. Like, when can I drive? You're not old enough yet. You can't do that yet. You think that the high school seniors know everything when you're a freshman. Because we have these ideas that with age comes wisdom and age and age and age. But the truth is, it, it can be very difficult to have a boss that is younger than you just because of the societal pressures. Um, so the book kind of deals with some of that. It, it talks about a lot mm-hmm. of different issues that you may experience in the workplace. Um, and it's good for people that don't have a boss that's younger than t- them too, but it kind of focuses around that. And uh, every chapter is kind of a reason. One of these reasons I hate, you know, like, um, you know, oh man, I was, you know, I was, I was dating the prom queen when you were still, you know, in diapers, you know, <laughs> these little, yeah, these really fun, silly, um, fun, silly, um, you know, reasons why you would hate your 28 year old boss, but then some actual real tangible ways that you can identify what is really going on here. Is it fear of failure? Am I, am I just having, you know, is it, uh, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Is it all these different things? So it identifies the problem and then gives some actionable steps uh, to help overcome uh, somebody if they feel like they're kind of stuck in their career. So uh, I'll keep you posted. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for that too, but I, I'm curious why you picked workplace. Tell me, tell me what that's all about. Why'd you, it, so it's, it's very specific. How'd you get it to that specific? Um, well, you know, it's funny. I can tell you I had, so I actually started writing the book and I think it just kind of started happening. It was one of those things where okay. it started out as a post-it note. You know, it started out as a post-it note. And I was like, investigate this. And, and I started reading and writing and doing research on, on workplace dynamics and what was happening in, you know, in, in the workplace and just some of these different things. And we're in the middle of, I'm in the middle of writing it and I start a new project and I'm, uh, I, I start, you know, talking with my boss, my new boss. And, you know, we're, you know, having a good conversation. We're about two, three weeks into the show. Everything is going fine. And then age comes up in our conversation. And mm-hmm. now I had already picked a title for the book at this point. I just have to say that. So I'm already writing the book. It already has a title. And he asks me how old I am. And I tell him, I'm like, oh, you know, I go, oh, I'm 32 and, uh, or 31 at the time. And, and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm 28. And I remember in my head, <laughs> um, like my first initial reaction in my head was words that I cannot say on the radio. I was, I was in my head, I was not happy. It was a you know, blank this dude. Like, what? Like, why is my boss younger than me? And it, and it was so funny because I'm in the middle of writing the book. I'm already in the middle of it. I'm giving people advice on it. I'm coaching people on this. And this is something I've, I've experienced with some of my coaching clients. And it was so funny because even though I'm in that, it immediately was my first thought that why, why, why should I listen to you? <laughs> you know, why do I need yeah. to listen to you, you young – and here's the thing. We're not even that far in age. But it was – it was real because I've experienced it so much in my life. I've been obsessed with age. Wait. I'm the kid who is. <laughs> just wait. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, just, I'm, wait I'm, the, I'm just wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm the guy. And exactly. I'm the guy who's like, how much, you know, uh, you know how, how much money should I have had saved by 25, by 30, by 35? How much, how many, uh, you know, how, mu- how many, how many, uh, you know, how many cities has the average 35 year old traveled to how has you know i want like i want to know how i stack up against everyone and it's i think we all have that but i know that i had had times where i like i obsess over it and i was like you know what this is not good there's this is for a reason um and it was funny you know we had a long talk about me and my boss actually talked about it because we had mentioned the book and um 
Yeah, I just I, I really hope that it that it that it resonates with some people and they enjoy it and, and they get some you know, they get some help out of it and they you know, the whole goal is that you read it, I want you to laugh, I want you to think a little bit. Uh, I hope that it makes you feel a little bit less alone or like somebody else understands what you're going through. Um, and at the ver- like I said, at the very worst case scenario, uh, I'll try to make the cover look uh, stylish so it looks good on your bookshelf. <laughs> exactly. And maybe I'll hijack a chapter or a paragraph or two. <laughs> I, had an, I had an instance uh, years ago now. You know, I remember I'm a mom of four kids, you know, and I'm 100,000 years old, and, and I took this job. And the kid was a college graduate and I'm like, literally could have been his mother. And I'm like, really? Oh no. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's worse than 32, oh, yeah. 28. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh, please. No. But you know, actually if you're, if once you sort of step back from that, maybe not 32, 28, but there's power in youth. As you get older, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's, they teach you things that, you know, you, there's some things you're just not quite with it when you get a little bit older. You know, it's like, oh, okay. you know, so I kind of, at first I was kind of like, oh, this sucks. And then it was like, all right, this, this happened for a reason. This kid's here to teach me oh, something. Yeah. And, 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 well, and he and did. There, and I was open to it. And he was totally. Cool. Totally. There's so much. I mean, we, we're, I mean, we're seeing it right now with, I mean, how many kids are, are you know, stepping up and, you know, regardless of however you feel politically on the debate, like to see high school kids joining into the national um, political conversation in, in a really oh, meaningful, yeah, powerful that was way. Cool. Um, you know, I mean, that's really impressive to be able to see that happening. And I think, you know, we, we can see, like we all, that's, you know, that was the biggest thing that I really experienced when I got to AA was, I, you know, I had grown up a kid that I respected my elders enough to where I wouldn't push you down the stairs, right? Like, I, but I didn't think you had anything to tell me. You know, yeah, like who what what do you what do you got to say, old man? Like I don't care. Like this isn't nineteen forty two. Like I don't care what you had to say. You know, and and when I got to AA and I listened to a man who's sixty five years old talk about what he's going through and I go, Wait a minute, wait. I feel that way. Wait, why that doesn't make sense. And then I would hear someone else in their fifties or someone in their forties or someone in their seventies and they would describe the emotional emotions of what was going on in their lives and I was able to relate to that it gave me this understanding of like oh you're just me we're all the we're it just yeah. you were born after me and I, that's all that or I was born after you. that's that is the only thing like that is it like we are the same like we are the same humans with the same thought processes like I don't think and I don't know I'm not a scientist I don't think our brains have changed that much you know, right. and it's like we're the same people, and we all have, we have so much to learn from each other. Whether you are, you know, in, you know, whether you are, you feel that you are at the, you know, the, the truth is, we're all at any moment we could be gone. You know, we saw that just very sadly with, you know, the DJ Avicii in this last week, twenty-eight years old, yeah. you know, gone in, in national headlines. And we, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed anything. We have no idea. You know, an eighty-year-old guy right now could have five more years and there could be a five-year-old kid who's not going to get that so age is all it's all the perception we are all the same people and we all have so much to offer each other if we're willing to to accept that and we're willing to learn from one another and stop judging each other and putting each other in these little boxes and saying oh that's how old people are that's how young people are that's who the we should be you know martin luther king right like 
wanting people to be judged by the character of their heart, by like the condition of their heart, what's going on inside, not by anything other than that. And that is, yeah. I think, how we should be approaching each other is just well, everyone is an individual and they deserve love. Well, I hope this, this young person who managed me doesn't come out with a book like managing the year I managed my mother. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> Don't let him be a chapter in your That's book. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, all right. But before we go here, because we're running out of time, I wanted to um, – I wish I could talk to you a little bit longer. Do you have a little bit more time? Because I wanted to talk to people about your blog, or do you have to go? Do you have a set time you got to go? Because we're in record mode I, now. I do, I do need to get going. Um, okay. I, yeah, I do Come need back to, to jam in. I'm in the middle of production on a show. Uh, but we can okay. do like four or five more minutes if there's anything else okay. we can talk on really quickly. Well, yeah, let's, I want to talk about your blog because there's some effort here into this blog. So if you could just touch on that before you go, that would be great. And then maybe we'll, we'll do another show in six months or something and talk more about your blog because this is funny. It's, it's funny, but it's thought out, you know, like in your life's journey to find who you are, start with eliminating who, who you aren't. <laughs> just think that's cute. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, a lot um, more. You, you know, it, yeah, the, the blog, you know, it was funny. I, I started writing, um, you know, I started writing little messages to friends and family, and that was how it started. I started writing these um, kind of motivating, encouraging messages to my friends and family, and I would send them out to, you know, 35, 45 different people. And they would – everyone was really – it was resonating with people, and they kept asking me, like, hey, you should be posting these and getting these out there. And I was like, oh, I don't know, but well, it sounds like a lot of work. But... And then finally <laughs> I had a friend that really really convinced me, like, hey, no, you need to be doing a blog and just posting. And I oh, okay. So it started just kind of out of that. It started as me just wanting to reach and connect with more of my friends and family. And then I started to, uh, you know, I, I read a lot. I try to, you know, to try to read, you know, not a ton. I try to read probably like 50 or, you know, around like 35 to 45 books a year. And, and so I'll read and then it just started to kind of happen. I would read something and it would just, it would just kickstart something in my brain. And I immediately go to the phone and I would start, you know, typing and, and building out little stories and building out, you know, lessons. And, um, and then I would post it and it really just kind of became a way for me to start it, you know, get, get encouragement to other people in my life. Um, also to help me kind of build out some of my thoughts better and, and structure things yeah. well. Um, and, and just, you know, and then it kind of started, you know, some of the, some of the blog from those first couple, you know, the first few months or, you know, some of those make their way into the book. Um, so a lot of it, it just kind of it came out of just wanting to connect and re and energize some of my friends and family, and then it kind of just it just went from there. That's great. Yeah, I like I love it because it's it's just so your personality and you're funny and you're thoughtful and all this stuff. And I, well, thank I, you. I think I would have probably killed to sit there with you watching the guy with the fake jean shorts. <laughs> Oh, I think man. I wish I was there because I think we would have left. That was, that was, but we wouldn't have been mean about it. It, was, it just would have been like, we got to write this. <laughs> it's just something, it's something you oh, can't yeah. make up. That was, so, that was so funny. That was so funny. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Me. I had a guy walk by me in crochet shorts. Oh. <laughs> like crochet shorts. I'm like, wow. You know, like, you know, the movie people. Christmas Vacation, like that level of like funny, you know, like those are crochet shorts <laughs> just like oh my goodness made them. yeah so anyway but 
I love your blog, so that's all. I just oh, want to well, make thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking a look at it. I really appreciate yeah, you taking no, a look and reading, cool. and, and thank you so much. Well, keep writing. Keep doing all the things you're doing. It's really fun to see your success and hear your story and see how it all kind of goes together. And um, I think it's it's it'll be really interesting to follow you as time marches on. Uh, um, and I hope you win on Friday. And if not, I hope the other guy does. Thank you from so much. <laughs> or the people. I don't know if it's a guy yeah. or people. <laughs> I'm excited to to see that. But it, it, I hope you keep in touch with us here at Best Ever You. If you ever want to write anything Definitely. for us, please do. Um, keep oh, in that'd touch. Oh, that would be great. And, yeah, it would be, be really fun to to follow you. So, anyway, thanks. Oh, thanks for excellent. being here. Thanks well, yeah, for all the wisdom. We're... Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for letting me come on and talk. I, I really I, I appreciate the opportunity, and it's just great to meet you and, and get a chance to kind of – I mean, I love this stuff, and I know that you do too, and it's so I great do. to talk with somebody else who is passionate about, um, you know, just about purpose and being there and supporting others and, and the service. And yeah. So thank you just for everything that you do. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm going to throw the thanks back to you, but I, I think what was really neat about this show, too, is giving the people a platform to, to launch their own thoughts. Um, I think it's really neat when, when we're able to have guests on and you kind of uh, share ideas back and forth, and you, you might be right, I might be right, we might both be wrong, whatever, you know, whatever it is, but I think it's yeah. cool when you can get people thinking to formulate some of their own thoughts and values, and sometimes shows like this where we're just kind of throwing everything out there to see what sticks are really powerful because, you know, mm-hmm. it gives people that platform to think to, you know, probably change their lives. I, it, oh, I, I yeah. love shows where I'd like actually listen to them over and over again. And this is one of those, like if I, if I weren't me and I wasn't doing this show right now and this was somebody else and you were the guest, it's a really neat show um, because there's stuff to learn from and it's not a wasted hour and things like that. It's, it's cool. You can actually take away stuff from this. So I think that matters. I really do. Too. And thank, thank you so much. I, yeah, I had a great time. It was a, uh, it was really Thanks. fun getting to know you and talking with you and um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it again. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, thank you, Philip. Thanks for being here. Thank you all so much for listening to the best ever you show. Um, as you know, we're very grassroots. We don't do advertising and all that stuff. So this, um, we've got a couple million downloads and shares and all that stuff, and that's all you guys. Um, I love it when we bring on guests, and um, you guys really embrace their their energy and their thoughts and their time, and you share the show and listen and pass it on because that's how this goes. Um, and so with that said, I just want to encourage you to go back to Philip's website. It's philipandrew.co slash blog. I know he, he's like, oh, I'm working on my website, but yeah, I think his website's pretty cool. Um, and then um, he's on Instagram. I don't know. Do you use Instagram or Twitter more? I like Twitter, but I'm more of an Instagram know. guy. I'm, I'm more Are of an you? Instagram okay. guy, definitely. Yeah, I just there's not enough pictures of me that exist, and I'm not going to go taking selfies and all that stuff. So my Instagrams are all other people. It's kind of funny, um, but I'm going to follow you on Instagram, Philip Andrew L A, and Twitter, Philip Andrew L A, two L's. Um, and I I I think your Instagram is pretty cool too. So it's it's neat to see all the things that you think of and do. And then there's this cool audio blog too. So if you go to SoundCloud slash philip andrew so everything basically philip andrew um there's a really cool audio blog too so i encourage you all to follow up and um i hope you win on friday yay <laughs> i don't have a thank you everybody all right everybody yeah, no, thank, thank you. you everybody for yeah 
Thanks for listening. Um, and Best Ever You is syndicated. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Player FM, wherever you want to download that app and listen to us. We appreciate it. And um, we're going to come back on Thursday with um, writer. Well, she's kind of back. She's part of the New Hollywood, which is this great group of women that we've been involved with with Best Ever You for years and years now. Uh, kind of spearheaded by actress Brianna Brown. Um, I've got Beth Navarro coming. She's part of the New Hollywood, and she's a children's book author. And then also um, kind of the co-author of Manifesting Your Mission with Brianna. So um, absolutely love Beth Navarro. So she'll be with us live on Thursday at 1 p.m. for an hour. And um, we thank you guys for listening. Take care. Have a great day. Have a best ever you kind of day. And uh, if there's something you wanted to ask us, make sure you tweet us at best ever you or at Philip Andrew LA. And um, we'll be sure and get back to you. So thanks everybody for listening. And thanks again to Philip. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the best ever you show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with best ever you.